Thank you, Tim. Good morning, thank you. In case you all are wondering who's cheering so loud, that's my family. Yeah! They came through. <laughs> so, uh, greetings to my new community uh, family this morning and to my family that came through. Uh, we are just a little bit about my family because I feel like it would be appropriate to acknowledge them. Uh, people traveled from Georgia to be here today for me. Tennessee, everywhere, and so I am grateful for them. We have BAPTA, Baptist roots, right? Um, and I'm gonna test them real quick, so if you guys give me a minute, and if you know, you can join in too, but I'm gonna see what they do. God is a good God. Oh man, that was close, but let's try it one more time. Black folks supposed to have more rhythm than that, okay? <laughs> one more time. God is a good God. 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 Yes, he is. Yes, he is. What you know about Jesus. 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 He's all right. He's all right. God is a good God. Last time. God is a good God. Yes, he is. <laughs> I know it's not Black History Month, but I felt like I needed to bring just a little blacktivity to you on this morning. Is that all right? Is that all right? <laughs> so, somebody said it's all right, and for everybody else, just hold on to God's unchanging hand. Okay, uh, but I am so grateful uh, to be among you all as your interim pastor. I am excited. Uh, it was so, I was so excited when um, I had heard that you all had voted me in and said, yes, we would love for you to be our interim pastor. And I said, that's so funny. They haven't heard me preach one time. And so uh, let's hope you don't regret that vote <laughs> after this message. Praise God. And so I am just going to ask you, if you would, for me, would you stand as we read the word of God today, if you are able I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for those interested in following. Verse 25, New Living Translation. And I'm going to read and pray, and you all can be seated after that. But in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25, it says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear? Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant, nor do they harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? 
Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow and don't work or worry about making their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so wonderfully cares for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring enough worries of its own. Amen. You may be seated. God, we thank you so much that you are a good father. You love to give good gifts. We thank you, God, for the gift of this gathering. And we ask, God, that by the power of your spirit, would you come into this uh, sanctuary? You're already here. But by the power of your spirit, would you change us, challenge us, draw us into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we all say together, amen. As I was thinking about this sermon series and all the wonderful messages uh, that I had an opportunity to listen to in this series and thinking about how do we remain anchored in Jesus, and I, I, I got this message, and one of the ways I believe we can remain anchored in the Lord is by releasing our worries to God. So today we're going to talk about releasing our worries to God. And before I get started, I have a little confession of my own to make. I am a creature of habit, okay? I, I like things to be a certain way. Is there anybody else in the building? You know what I'm talking about. I'm surprised my husband isn't jumping up and down saying amen because he knows how I can act sometimes, right? Change tends to be my kryptonite, you know? Uh, if the chair was there yesterday, you know, and somebody decided, let me rearrange it, tilt it a little bit, you know, I got I to gotta think about that. You know, I'm not quite sure. And, you know, I, I'm kind of being funny, but it is true. Things, when things kind of get out of sorts, you know, it can be my kryptonite. It's from anything major down to what color I want my nails when I go get my nails done. Some of the ladies will understand this, but sometimes all kinds of questions come to my mind when I need to make a change or transition is happening or just life is happening, right? I start to think to myself, is, am I making the right choice? Am I choosing the right thing? Or what would be the results of this choice? As a matter of fact, is there a better choice to make? And all of this is before I've, before I've made a decision at all. I haven't done anything yet. I've asked myself at least 15 questions. In the midst of that, I find myself doubting myself, questioning myself. And you know, can I tell you something? This, this is going to go a lot smoother and a lot faster the more amens I get, okay? It's going to move me from an hour and 15 minutes to a solid 45, I promise you. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, have you been there before where you, you know, you doubt yourself, right? And you start to ask questions. You know, am I kind enough? Am I smart enough? Am I attractive enough? Am I enough? Right, but in my, one of my favorite movies, and I also read the book in The Help, Viola D Davis's character says to the little girl she keeps, you as kind, you as impotent. Yeah, somebody said intelligent, it's okay. No judgment here, because we glad you spoke out. Right, you as kind, you as smart, you as important, right? And though these words may ring true, the, here's a bigger question. How do I drop the habit of worrying? How, how do I drop that habit of worrying when I've become so accustomed to it? I've become so accustomed to asking myself these questions and worrying that I, I tend to almost do it without even thinking. Unconsciously, I ask myself the questions. Unconsciously, I'm moving towards doubt without even realizing it. And that, and even when I think about that in the context of this sermon, the idea alone that God would tell us not to worry when I do it so unconsciously almost seems unfathomable to me. God, how is it that you can say not to worry, Jesus? How can you say release your troubles and your worries to God? That almost feels impossible. But how many of you know nothing is impossible with God? And for the sake of clarity, I want to make a quick distinction. When I say release our worries to God, um, I'm not saying uh, this in order to say we need to have a uh, problem-free existence. Worry-free and problem-free is two different things. When I say worry-free, it's not synonymous with being problem-free. Because in order to live worry-free, a worry-free life, it means to be free from the burden of fear, anxiety, and discontent. Jesus is not saying that worry will not come. Jesus is not saying worry will not uh, uh, plague us at times. But he is saying that there is a way to get around that. There is a way to be free from the burden of fear, anxiety, and discontent. And this is what we see in today's text. Jesus tells us that this is possible. Jesus affirms this idea of releasing our worries to God. He affirms this idea of living worry-free or free from the burden of worry. And just to give a little context here to our text today, you know, as we're in the Gospel of Matthew, just a few chapters earlier, Jesus has been commissioned to preach, okay? And he kind of goes on this preaching spree, perhaps an easier way to contextualize it for us today. You could kind of say there was a revival of sorts happening, right? People were coming. In the chapter preceding this one, we see one of Jesus' most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches about the Beatitudes, giving detailed description of what it means to be blessed. He's turning people's thinking and their ideas about life and God upside down. 
But he doesn't stop there. He starts to get into people's personal lives. He starts talking about anger, adultery, divorce, how to love your enemies. Now, you would think that people would start leaving the revival when Jesus started talking about all that, but there was such a draw and an anointing on Jesus. He taught with such authority and compassion that there was an outpouring of God's love and His grace on Him to teach, so much so that He couldn't stop teaching and people couldn't stop listening. I feel like, you know, once we arrive at this point in the text that we read earlier in Matthew 6, after much preaching, and teaching, after continuous crowds were coming and listening, I imagine Jesus was looking over the crowd, looking at their faces, hearing all of what they had heard. Some of them were wondering, if not all of them perhaps, wondering, Jesus, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this look like when I return to my home? What does this look like after I leave this beautiful sanctuary and go outside of those doors and I have to work and I have a family? Jesus, what does this mean for me? Hearing all that they had heard, Jesus begin to understand or see, I imagine, that these issues that he had named of anger, divorce, et cetera, whatever the case may be, Jesus knew there was something deeper he needed to address. He addressed their worry. Ha. Huh. I believe Jesus wants to address our worry this morning. Jesus does not desire for us to be dominated by a state of fear, anxiety, and discontent. And I know we've all been there before. You can say amen. I mean, between the pandemic and politics, at some point, you know, you, you've had a, a moment, right? And I'll say this, we here today are not much different from the folks that Jesus was addressing in that crowd when he said not to worry. We all know the tension of living between faith and fear. We know the tension between being a consumer and then being content. We know the tension of wanting to have control versus surrendering. We know the tension between doubt and trust. And just like Jesus was aware of their struggles, then he is aware of our struggles now. He is aware that we live in a world where our, our love for things often competes for our love for him. He knows that we are often worried about our what's next. We're so worried about it that we can hardly stay focused on anything else. He knows that we live in a world where we try to make our, our love and desire and devotion for things coexist with our love and devotion and desire for Him. He knows that we live in a world where enough is usually not enough. 
He knows that we live in a world where our desires are naturally inclined to things that don't necessarily draw us closer to Him. He sees us and He sees that we work and we work and we work for the thing, knowing that we really just need Him. So Jesus tells them, back in our original text, verse 25, he says, and this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? All my foodies are thinking about it right now. (laughs) My foodies are like, but Taco Tuesday. (laughs) Somebody got dinner in the oven right now. Right? Well, maybe not. I don't know if that's safe. But isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? What is Jesus saying? Isn't there more? I mean, sit with that for a second if you don't mind. Isn't there more? more than what meets the eye, more than what we are consumed with every day? Isn't there more than what we see on the news, more than what we see on social media, more than what we experience in our homes and in our... Isn't there more than the chores, more than the job? more than the responsibilities that we have on there. Is there more to this life than what meets the eye? Jesus says that there is, and he doesn't assert this haphazardly, right? He knows the tension that we live in. He's aware of the anxieties of everyday life. He's aware of all of those things. And I imagine that as he's aware of all of those things, as he's given, giving this sermonette about releasing their worries to God, I, I, I imagine him looking at their faces still trying to wrap their minds around this invitation of releasing worry. I imagine them on this countryside listening to the Savior, still torn, still conflicted about releasing it, because Jesus is kind of hard. Jesus, I I don't know how to let it go. And in, in the midst of that struggle, Jesus looks compassionately at them and he gives them a directive. And the directive is this, he says, look. I love how Jesus can keep it simple. He says, look at the birds in the sky. They don't worry. They don't sow, nor do they reap, but your heavenly Father takes care of them. Can I tell you something? As I was preparing for this message, you know, I really wanted to embrace it. And so I went out on my balcony in the morning Nice and early, 
with my bonnet on. That's a black thing. I'm just throwing a little stuff in there for you later on. You can ask me about it later, okay? But think little house on the prairie, but urban. All right. And I went in on the balcony, and I was looking for the birds. I heard them before I saw them. And they were singing. They were chirping, they were happy. The sound was that of excitement, like they were on their way to do something, go get a worm or something, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, I saw a bird fly by, and you would think it would be this nostalgic and beautiful moment, but he tried to dive bomb me. So I was like, whoa, you know, I'm glad you're excited. There goes my sermon illustration time, and I went back in the house. But uh, here's what I know as I was outside for a brief moment. I said, God, I want to wake up like this. I want to wake up singing your praises. I want to wake up ready for the work that you're going to do in my life, not worrying about if, but knowing that you will do it. Jesus tells them. He says, if you don't get anything else that I'm saying, look at the birds, because you'll always remember this sermon illustration. I mean, he was a dynamic communicator. He said, if you don't remember anything else, you'll always remember to look at the birds of the sky. And then he tells them, look at the lilies of the field. He said, they don't even work. Yet look at how beautifully God clothes them. And then he says, aren't you more important than them? Here's the thing, I believe when Jesus is telling them to look, he doesn't simply mean see or observe. I believe when Jesus is telling them to look, he's saying reposition your heart to a place of trust and expectation. Yeah, that is good. Amen. Reposition your heart to a place of trust and expectation. That's why the psalmist can say in Psalm 121, he says, I look. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord. See, I've repositioned myself to a disposition of trust and expectation that when I look, I'm looking for God. I haven't preached in three months, so I feel my preach this morning. That when I look, I'm looking for God. Isaiah says the word of the Lord, and he says, see, I am doing a new thing. He says, I'm repositioning my heart to see what God is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I see. The psalmist tells us again, those who look to him are radiant. Yeah. 
See, that's what those birds were this morning. They were radiant. I believe we can be like them that if we look to God, ah, we can be radiant. I don't know about you this morning, but I think it's time that we look and see. Look and see that there's more going on than what meets the eye. Look and see that God is a good father and he loves to give good gifts. Look and see that God is making a way out of no way. Look and see that though weeping may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. Look and see that God is doing a new thing. Look and see, as the old folks in my church used to say, trouble don't last always, yeah, right? Look and see that if he's taking care of the birds and the flowers in the field, look and see that he's taking care of you. You can say amen. God wants us to align our hearts to a place of trust and expectation. He wants us to look and see. Going back to Matthew again, verse 31, Jesus tells them, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? He says, those thoughts dominate the minds of unbelievers, those who don't know me, those who don't know that I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider, those who don't know me as Elohim, as El Shaddai, those who don't know me as Jehovah Jireh, those who don't know me as the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, those who don't know me are dominated by these things. But you know me. Hear this this morning, God already knows what you need. Do you believe that? That he knows what you need? And herein lies the distinguishing factor of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And that distinguishing factor is this, our ability to look and see. Look and see that though we live in that tension of fear and faith, of wanting more and being content of control and surrender of doubt and trust, though we live in that tension, we know that it can be alleviated, taken care of, because we know who holds our world in his hands. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up, y'all said amen so much I kept it short. <laughs> My question to you this morning is, have you been worried lately? 
Have there been things perhaps dominating your mind, your time, causing you fear, causing you doubt, causing anxiety? And as those things have come up, have you found yourself succumbing to it? Instead of being able to push against what you know is not true, what you know is lies of the enemy, you're succumbing to that fear, succumbing to that anxiety and discontentment more often than you care to admit. And if that's you today, I want to tell you that there is freedom in Jesus. See, we just don't gather in this building for worship because it's part of our schedule. But we also gather not to just meet one another and to be encouraged, but to meet God. God, what might you be saying to me in the midst of this worship community, in the midst of this worship time, from the time I entered the doors to the time where I'm at the end of this message listening. What might God be saying? And I truly believe that one of the things He's inviting you to today through the Word of the Lord is to be free. Hallelujah. He wants to lift every burden. He wants to bring relief. He wants to bring freedom. And all you need to do is to see. Reposition your heart, reposition your focus, not on the things, not on the circumstance, but on God. And if that's you this morning and you're going, hey, I want to see, I want to look and see, I want to align myself with this invitation that Jesus presents so I can be free this morning. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything like come to the altar or anything um, inconvenient, at least not today. But what I will ask you, if that is you, I'm going to invite you to take a moment right where you sit and just bow your heads with me, if that's you, because I want to pray for you. And just tilting your head down is just an acknowledgement of God, I see you. Oof. And for me, this message is for me, Jesus. So this isn't about me seeing you and you seeing me or who is around you seeing you. This is about you seeing God and having a sacred moment as your head is bowed 
and your eyes are closed, then now you truly see. <laughs> Father, I thank you for every heart in this space that has said, yeah, God, that's me. I want freedom from these things. I got off kilter, I got a little off balance, but I see you. So God, do you see every head that is bowed, every heart that is bowed before you? And God, I ask that you would just send your angels to minister peace and restoration to them in this moment, that they would supernaturally begin to experience freedom from the burden of worry. The anguish, the anxiety, the doubt, the discontent, may they find it lifting, God, not because of my words, but because of your presence. Hallelujah. God, we love you. We thank you for the invitation to see you see your work today. So God, we are seeing by faith you in our situations today with our family, with our marriages, with our children, with our careers, with friendships, with ministry, with life, with health, whatever it is, God, we're just saying we see you. So God, thank you for meeting us in a powerful hmm, and authentic way this morning. Thank you for helping us to see. In Jesus' name, amen.